In this episode of Shaping the Future, I'm speaking with Gold Standard CEO Margaret Kim. Gold Standard sets the standard for climate positive implementation of a wide range of global scale projects. The global push to eradicate emissions means that activities and processes must be credible and effective if they are to build trust that we are on target to avert overshoot due to the billions of tonnes of human greenhouse gases emitted annually. Margaret has enormous expertise in understanding the processes that solve these issues and also the reality of what it means if we fail to deliver. Recent heat waves and storm events are causing devastation across the world regardless of where people are located. The need for accelerated transformation of our society to one that absorbs rather than emits carbon has never been greater. Thanks for listening to Shaping the Future. You can support this channel via my Patreon page or by subscribing to channels and giving feedback. There are many more episodes on the way discussing a wide range of climate issues, so please stay tuned. Margaret, thank you very much for speaking to me today. This podcast talks a lot about climate change causes and impacts. And what is really apparent is that climate issues cross over into a myriad of other issues from social to ecological and onwards from there. Can you talk about how gold standard operates within the complex challenges that we face to transform our society? Thank you, Nick, for having me. I think this is really the center of the bullseye for gold standard. So we were established in 2003, supported by trusted NGOs like WWF to ensure that environmental integrity of carbon reduction projects also manage the negative social and environmental risks and also make sure that relevant stakeholders are represented in the process. And most importantly, that these projects create maximized positive impact and sustainable development. So taking a holistic viewpoint rather than looking at a single metric or isolated issue on its own has been in our DNA since day one. So for example, if we're looking at a forestry project in Latin America, which may have a great impact in sequestering carbon, we have to make sure we safeguard against any risks related to water access, biodiversity impact, even local people's livelihoods and rights to land tenures. So originally, this holistic approach that Gold Standard's been taking was focused at the project level and specifically to the carbon markets. But now that We have much more clarity on the ultimate targets like the net zero by mid-century for the Paris Agreement and the sustainable development goals. It's clear that we need to focus beyond the project level and really think about how to bring transformational change across systems. So gold standard or standard is set up to manage the complexity and sometimes even the trade-offs that are needed to maximize a positive impact while avoiding and safeguarding any negative impact at the macro level. Okay, and it's obviously a massive undertaking. And you mentioned net zero, which is something, it's been a really good development that everybody's been able to focus on in terms of a timeline and objectives. Public trust is key, as is trust right through the whole system. But one big issue that is associated with that is greenwashing. We see claims made by corporates and even certification bodies, etc. And with the name like gold standard, you're obviously implying high standards. How do you in reality make sure your claims are robust and also those of the people you work with? 
it's a really important question. And we think about claims on multiple levels. So where we have the most control as gold standard is, of course, what impact can be claimed as a result of a project or an intervention. And there are a lot of technical complexity that goes behind it, including the safeguards, the monitoring and measurement reporting verification process. And these are managed fairly straightforward. And we certify the reduction or removal of carbon reduction, as well as the contribution to sustainable development that the project has achieved. That's what the project can claim. And standards like us and civil society and NGOs like WWF, Carbon Market Watch, are making sure that these standards are continuously working towards raising ambition and ensuring high environmental integrity and maximized impact for these projects so that the buyers at the end of the day can offset or purchase or claim with confidence. However, I think the debate is really around how do companies or organizations that support such a project by purchasing the carbon credit, how do they claim? And in the past, claims like carbon offsetting, carbon neutrality, these were industry standard. And while there was some variance in what constituted carbon neutrality, I think this was always fairly well established. But we face the challenges now. The world is now much more complex, and the more complex nature of the Paris Agreement makes it more difficult to back up this promise of carbon offsetting. So in the past, it was a one-to-one -one principle. You reduce somewhere, you offset somewhere. It's one-to-one. But now with Paris Agreement, sovereign governments uh, pledging for their targets, companies uh, rising to, to pledge their net zero targets, it's becoming a complex world in a positive way. So there is rightly a new expectation that companies should effectively earn the right to start offsetting. And to be clear, it is a good practice to take responsibility for commitments and finance to reduce beyond. So whenever I get a question on greenwashing, it's really about ensuring that we can actually back up the claims and impact claims we're announcing. So how do you do that? And I think that's the role that standards like us and NGOs around the world can play to make sure that corporates, governments are monitoring, measuring and reporting in a, in a credible and transparent way. And that the public has access to that information and is educated to decipher this difficult jargon around carbon and be trusted. So I think there's a role to play in multiple sort of stakeholder groups to tackle this, including ourselves at Gold Standard. Okay, and companies or industries, they have to get involved. They have to set these targets. And more importantly, what they want to communicate to their consumers because they see that it's positive for their brand. And this is one of the contentious issues because people are like, are they really doing it? Is this just marketing or how do... How do we find a sort of an alignment between a business or an organization or a municipality, whatever it is? How do they speak honestly about their intentions? Because they obviously haven't got to the end yet. And in a way that is valid in the public, it can actually look at it and say, yeah, this, this is going in the right direction. And it's, you know, it is real. 
it's going to be a journey, but it has to start with a serious commitment and assessment of today's impact. One of our board member once said, if you don't know, you don't care. And it is true as a regular consumer, which we both are, if I'm going on to buy an airline ticket and the airline claims it's carbon neutral, it's compliant with net zero target, you have no way of knowing. You will believe them. So it has to follow a number of steps. So, and, and Gold Standard's been really very much advocating this to play their part from corporate side, first of all, the senior management and shareholders need to be serious about the commitment. So, so a lot of skeptics say, oh, by 2050, none of them will be there. So you can easily declare it and think of, oh, it's the next generation who needs to deal with it. So in order to avoid that, the companies need to be serious. And then second, the corporates need to measure and disclose its carbon emissions. And I think a lot of companies now, as part of the science-based targets, are doing that. We're seeing close to 1,000-plus targets being submitted to Science-Based Targets Initiative. So you need to measure and disclose your carbon emissions and be transparent to the public about it. So that's where we are today. And then you need to have a plan to reduce climate impact in line with that science-based target. So how do we get there? There are multiple ways of getting there. So what's your short term? What's your medium term? What's your long-term plan? And that strategy should be public and transparent and the corporate should be monitoring against that plan. And third, if you're on the right trajectory to reach that net zero as a corporate, then you should be able to finance emission reductions to compensate for the residual emission. So if you're on the right trajectory, what about residual emission? you can actually invest in climate action beyond your boundaries as a corporate, including through the carbon offsetting schemes. And finally, most importantly, you need to advocate for strong climate policy as a corporate and to your consumers so they can be educated, they can raise awareness. Yeah. So those four steps are critical in, in making sure that industries, corporates actually reach the target in a serious manner and a credible manner. Okay, and it's interesting you're talking about corporates taking a multi-generational view, which is not something we really think about, but it is a necessity. And for that, if we're given the IPCC, the UN, they talk a lot about ambition and the governments are getting you know, much more stiffer with their rhetoric on where they're going. How scalable do you think this transformation is within the timeframes available. You, may, you must look at a lot of data. Um, do you look at this and say, we can do this if everybody is serious? Hmm. I, sometimes I struggled uh, if I should be an optimist or, or pessimist on this, but I, I still believe if all stakeholder groups are serious, including the governments, including the, the corporates, including individuals and civil society. And if we all mean what we say, I think we can get there. But, but the problem is, I mean, looking at the trillions of dollars that's needed to achieve the science-based target, we need private sector engagement. And, and there's huge discrepancy between 
public sector and private sector based on my experience working with the governments and private sector. So how do you make that linkage? And it's really a question about incentives. If governments are really serious about wanting to do more and wanting to be ambitious, they need to create that incentive mechanism for private sector to join in. But in return, private sector also has to be ambitious in achieving their target. So yeah. I, I think, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult, challenge but i'm optimistic that with scale it can get there and there are a lot of initiatives right now that's trying to bring scale so for example uh, recent mark carney's task force was established to scale the voluntary carbon market and it's really truly a, a private sector led initiative of course we're cautiously optimistic because we can't compromise quality over scale but if we structure it in a right way with high environmental integrity principles and maximize sustainable development impact in these in these scale up process it can make a difference although sure. it's still, still a, a drop in the bucket but and and also there are many initiatives around blended finance facilities between public sector and private sector so gold standard is part of a consortium where we're developing a $750 million blended finance facility led by a private equity fund in the US, Pegasus, and a French bank, BNP Paribas, and a number of very respected NGOs based in Switzerland to fund, to support uh, small to mid-sized infrastructure projects with conservation nature-based solutions focus to fund them. And those are usually, for those of you who may not be aware, those are the, the most difficult to finance kind of infrastructure projects at subnational level. So, so I think there's a lot of effort um, um, being put into different areas of focus to ensure that scale, ensure that transformational change is, is, is possible. Okay, and with this being the year of COP26, which is the next big milestone from Paris, really, do you think there's a little bit of optimism around the policy shifts that you might hope for to, you know, strengthen some of these commitments? Um, <laughs> you don't look too, too encouraged there. Okay, that didn't come out immediately. So um, I am hopeful. I, I've been, I have to be honest, I've been terribly disappointed in the last couple of COPs, including the cancelled one last year. And, and I'm really hoping with the current drive uh, with UK government's leadership, with the current drive of engaging, the focus on private sector in, in the upcoming COP, and with the focus to finalize the rule book around Article 6, which seemed to be unnecessarily stopping this whole conversation to move forward. I really hope those can make huge progress. Otherwise, yeah. I, I mean, I, I will continue to hope for it, but, but uh, I think we've seen huge movements from civil society groups, youth uh, communities, making yeah. more progress than, than the 198 uh, negotiators and and governments supporting that. So, so I really hope that COP26 shows leadership that the governments are serious and we need to urgently address this. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. Um, 
I've got the experience in discussing climate change and emissions reduction within the, the wine industry, funnily enough, which is interestingly a multi-generational business because people plant vines thinking of the next hundred years and so on. And um, one of the largest areas of emission is packaging and also is transportation. And these fall into scope three, which are one of, is the scope which everyone finds the most difficult. How do you view a gold standard scope three emissions and the strategies around you know getting rid of them basically scope three emissions are our key to net zero and this for wine industry and far beyond for all industries and and for a long time companies claimed that they couldn't do much about it and, and of course, in the last couple of years, um, CDP's supply chain program began fostering supplier engagement and now science-based targets require an, an ambitious scope three target for companies with, with significant value chain emissions. But, but as we work with a lot of these uh, companies, there, there is still a large gap and value chain or the scope three emissions are often the largest source of uh, corporate car corporate carbon footprint, but but yet to date they have been the lowest area for focus for most companies because they face a lot of challenges. Like there's uncertainty about who's responsible for these indirect emissions, limited access to supplier emission data, a lack of guidance on how to account for these reductions from investments in in supply chains, and and most importantly, inadequate recognition for the effort. So Gold Standard has created a value change program to fill this gap in particular. So in collaboration with uh, science-based targets initiative partners, some of the leading corporates like Mars and Danone, and our certification partner, SustainCert, we have been developing a consensus-based guidance that shows how companies should introduce more climate-friendly production practices, and how to account for them credibly, how to claim them. And this helps to create value for lower carbon commodities throughout the value chain. And we're working with ICEAL Alliance, which is an international uh, sustainability standards alliance to pilot some of these ideas as well. So there's a lot of effort going into it, but it is very true that scope three emission, the challenges around it is one of the key obstacles for a lot of industries. Okay, and you know we're looking now with timelines out to twenty fifty, but it's really everything we do today and tomorrow is critical to what sort of world we end up in in twenty fifty. Can you talk about some of the milestones on the journey that you're involved with along that line from now to twenty fifty? We have clear milestones, and sometimes I get frustrated with global community coming up with new milestones and calling it a new target but we have clear science-based milestones we have to by 2030 cut emissions by 45 percent compared to 2010 levels by 2050 we need to achieve net zero and this is not something that we can say oh it's nice to have wow we we've done something great it's it's a must if we want to give the next generations a, a better place to live, it's a must, or, or for ourselves. So I, I think these are the milestones we need to hit 
And I think every organization, every individual probably has a role to play in achieving that, that milestone. And, and gold standards certainly based on its development of standards and methodologies and tools and guidances to support project developers and corporates and buyers of the claims that we want to make sure we're getting there and our contribution towards that goal is measurable, credible, and trustworthy, and, and stands for the highest environmental integrity and, and the maximized impact for sustainable development. Okay, well, that's pretty clear. So thank you very much. I think um, we've covered everything I wanted to cover and it's been really insightful. And would you, will you be at COP26? Yes, yes, I hope so. Um, I, I hope. Providing it goes ahead, of course. <laughs> yes. Okay, well then, uh, maybe I'll see you there and, and I'll be able to ask you whether your hopes are, are bearing fruit. Yes, let's see then. Thank okay. you very much, Nick. Thank you very much. Thanks again for listening. If you are interested to help support this series and help expand the discussion around climate topics, then please do consider backing my channel via Patreon. It will help me produce more content and you will also gain access to more expert interviews. It would be great to engage more with audiences too and understand your views on these topics.